Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Uh, futures up on that better than expected jobs number for February, 379,000 positive revisions. Bulls trying to look past the 10-year now at 163 and oil near 66. Our roadmap begins with the ongoing market volatility, rates rocking higher. Futures rally as the jobs number does come in above expectations. Plus, we will get the first response to the economic outlook following today's jobs report with National Economic Council Director Brian Deese. And it's a spackageddon, that spack trade. Once <laughs> seemed as though it could only go one way. Well, that's starting to get undone. Market volatility, of course. Uh, Jim's talked about it. Growth stocks, story stocks, not quite what people are interested in, at least on the investing side right now, Carl, as we watch interest rates move higher. Yeah, which uh, Jim was just uh, talking about with uh, Joe a moment ago. Uh, Jim, I guess you, the, the working theory is that we're, we're taking this in stride because we are so oversold? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that we came in this, uh, today betting that there would be a number that was really much too strong. And that's why we, uh, after Chairman Powell said some benign things, uh, that's why we sold off. So you get the number. It's kind of predicted by what happened in the afternoon. Uh, so you get a little lift. Uh, because we just yesterday's yesterday's last three hours, really, I think, were three hours that drove people out of the market. I was doing stages of grief yesterday on, on the show, uh, David. I've got to tell you, there's still a lot of people in denial. There's still not a lot of there's some people bargaining uh, acceptance. No, there's we're, very few people are accepting, particularly on the story stocks, David. You know, when I say story, I'm talking about 2040, 2035. Companies that have uh, just the Joan Didion. It's Joan the Didion, year of magical thinking. Uh, for some yes, yes, it is. Although, yeah, I mean, 26 seems to be that key year that we've pointed to so often in so many of the presentations that come along with SPACs, which we'll talk about in a bit. But for many, uh, any number of other companies, there is uh, a very high multiple being applied to out year revenues right. and potential EBITDA and or free cash flow. Uh, that has been discounted back and brought joy to the uh, bulls for some time in a very low-rate environment, and that's sort of turned on its head in the last, well, uh, last someone, couple of weeks. I, the margin figures are the highest they've been in seven years. Margin, yeah. And then I'm told that they don't reflect – you'll love this one, David – Yeah. Uh, loans against houses. The margin numbers don't reflect loans against houses. In other words, not your mortgage, but you're taking an additional loan out on the equity in yes, your home to, to put, put money, into the yes. stock market. And they're hoping that they get the stimulus money. Maybe they can pay down some of that debt. Uh, this is absurd. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of people, David, who think that, as we heard many times last year, stocks only go up. Carl, yesterday afternoon, we saw a give up in a lot of names. But when you look at other periods of inflation scares, People are very upset. Stocks are down 20 percent, 25, 30 to 40 percent is where they go. But they do tend to have a bounce and then they go. So you have a bounce. If you're really uh, uh, bearish, you take advantage of this. But I, I don't trust this market because what, what I saw yesterday was a sense that a lot of the big popular favorite tech stocks and SPAC stocks that we talk about, Carl, they're poison. And you can't just unpoison the well in one session. <laughs> Carl, there's just a lot yeah. of stocks, you know, Virgin Galactic, uh-uh, the sellers, 
Uh, Costco, I haven't think Costco's going to bounce today because enough already. But, you know, you have people nitpicking in Costco, which had an amazing number. But we really have our sellers because they need the money. And, Carl, these people who need the money, and I'm not saying they're Wall Street bets or Robin Hood or whatever, but they're not used to needing the money. They bought on margin. They bought calls. Right. This is it. And stocks go down. I mean, stocks. Yep. We're going to. Uh, <laughs> b- b- <laughs> there's a bunch of uh, bunch of price target cuts on Costco this morning. We'll talk about Chamath's selling of Virgin Galactic. Yeah. Uh, but, Jim, yeah, our, our SPAC 50 index is uh, now red for the year. Oh. The Goldman basket of uh, non-profitable tech is down 23 from the high. <laughs> and now this downgrade of Nikola, although J.P. Morgan says they're still bullish on the long-term story, they think is largely about the change in sentiment that you're, that you're referring to. Right. The fact that they were uh, long uh, Nikola, David, you and I were um, discussing Nikola yesterday. Yeah. So they were they they uh, like I guess they love a truck that moves down a hill. I mean I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. oh come on, don't oh, come say on. it. It was ta- still the benchmark. What are you taking issue with that for? So it wasn't under its own power. It was, just, it was a little great. It just it went, uh. well, QuantumScape. They up. never There's said it was under its own power. They didn't tell you. Well, uh, Nicola, listen. It was a year ago, by the way, that I had up really? Trevor Milton at the New York Stock Exchange. Last live interview, last in person live, last in person interview uh, that I did. Well, a year ago yesterday. That was a combative yeah. session. It was somewhat combative. Yeah. It was the early days. Who knew? I mean, I was just starting to really learn about, frankly, about SPACs in a, in a more detailed way. Well, no. And by the way, we're going to talk a great deal about them in the next block. So. Well, I was going back and forth with Leslie Pickers. Did such a good job this morning. Yes. We were discussing the trading cards. The Gary Cohn trading card. Yeah. Right? The, the Bill Ackman trading card. Mm. I mean, you want to just get in there because maybe it's like a, I don't know, what, an Ernie Banks? Willie Mays. I mean, what do you do, David, when you're trying to assess the Gary Cohn SPAC? What, what are you trying to get? How do you what is it? What 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 ratio are you looking at? I don't know. I mean, the I'm ratio at, of I'm looking at Cliff Robbins and thinking maybe he's going to the sonogram. The hand the butterfly. Yeah. You know who owns a lot of that one? What? Who? You know. Mark. Oh, yeah. Buys it every would. day. I Did shouldn't you say see that, that latest said, thing that Ryan Cohen, uh, that latest, I don't know what that was. Ryan Cohen. Yeah, Ryan Cohen, the, the man, they, uh, you know, uh, Carl, we have saviors all over the place. And Ryan Cohen is the savior for GameStop. He's got it. Yeah, yeah. He's got uh, it. The, uh, the, the Pets.com sock puppet uh, tweet from yesterday uh, was uh, deeply moved by that tweet, guys. <laughs> I want to talk a bit about inflation, uh, Jim. Uh, Morgan Stanley today out with a note saying that these pressures for 2021 are not necessarily transient, especially in mobility-related sectors. And, of course, Powell got right to the point yesterday with that uh, Wall Street Journal conference. Take a listen. Businesses and people would need to believe that larger increases in prices would be repeated year after year. And we think it's unlikely that these deeply ingrained low inflation expectations would suddenly change. It is more likely that effects like the ones I described would be one-time effects. Yeah. Morgan Stanley, Jim, says um, it's going to remain elevated through mid-year as inventories and supply chains remain challenged, which we talk about literally every day. Well, Costco, Rich Galani, who's my favorite CFO of the, of the retail group, said, has a list there in the Costco. He says, here, timing delays, uh, port delays, they're impacting furniture, sporting goods, lawn and garden, even some food and sundries, seafood, imported cheeses and oils. And then there are pr- pricing pressures in non-food, electronics, chip shortage uh, names, TVs, there's pricing pressure, computer pricing pressure, smart home related items. And then here's one 
<laughs> exercise equipment and bikes. Do you want to step, David, do you want to step in front of Peloton right now when you know that they're having supply problems to get bikes at Costco? Equipment, exercise equipment at Costco? No, thank you. That's right. No. 108 million strong. Yeah. And they want their, so wait, buy a little Peloton here? What do you think? A little uh, schnitzel? Uh, no, thanks. No? No. You're not going to take it on? No, look at it. Down 12%. You don't think this is a level? I don't I mean, know. I'm, listen, I don't, I don't opine on this stuff. That's, that's for you. So let's I turn this back. Do I, do I want to buy this, Peloton here, Jim? It was facetious, David. I know that, but I, don't, I, I get uncomfortable just being asked because well, whatever I, I, I say, yeah, Well, wrong. okay, I'm just saying if Costco can't get exercycles and can't get equipment, uh, the delay on Peloton, what does it mean? Remember, it took $100 million yes. to last time. Yes. And you, you, they've got this new, I, I don't know if they, uh, Carl, have you tried their treadmill? I don't know. Um, no, I've heard good things, but I right. have not tried the tread. Well, it's early. I mean, but I, I doubt I'll get a chance to anytime soon either. No, I mean, you got to put your name in. It's kind of like getting a Fisker, a Lucid, a treadmill. Name me two cars and something Peloton right, makes. Jim, let's just but let's come back to the big picture here in terms of the ten-year, where the yield may go. Do we? I mean, you, if people are actually starting to uh, talk about two percent. Um, what happens to these growth names if you continue to see the trajectory with prices obviously down, yield up uh, uh, on well, right the 10 Right now they're benign, right? They're yeah. benign today. But I read a piece that reminded me of two of when you, in, 19, in the 90s, the supply that's going to hit the market next week. How's the market going to handle the supply? You're talking about the bond market. Yes. Now, because, of course, if we get the $1.9 trillion, which looks likely, we're, the Treasury is going to be selling bonds, a lot of bonds. We're going to be it's uh, deficit spending, as we know. And um, there is a question like, where does the additional supply come from? Unless the Fed's just going to scoop it all up, yeah, which Fed doesn't buy to, it. Well, I mean, but not clear that's the case. No, it's not. But I, I, David, I, I look at the supply problem. It is a problem. So we're going to have some auctions that go off the rails. Yes. And what's that going to do to the market? Well, rates are going to go a little higher. Mm-hmm. Still hasn't hurt the housing market, though. We got to point that out. No, I it mean, doesn't initially. You look at yeah. a longer term of uh, car ride right, of the 30 year and it's still pretty low, but, even though it's moved up. But it, uh, absolutely. But you've seen the numbers, Carl, that, that, we got, that Phil LeBeau's got out on, on the price of autos. I mean, Phil, Phil obviously is just yes, well ahead on the of input, Yeah. Not yes, good. Yeah. They're, they're having to pay more for components, and that's going to feed right to us. Yep. And we need, David scoffs at it, but we need a $50 billion, uh, 50-year bond to build. I actually talked with some of the larger CEOs and chips. They all know that we need a government, we need it like a Manhattan project. We're going to need a bigger bond. All right. <laughs> One of my favorite movies. What can I tell you? It is. Yeah. The best. I always thought you were quick. Um, although, Jim, on the flip side, on the flip side, Goldman does uh, take fifth third uh, to conviction uh, by today, saying that uh, the reaction to higher rates, especially at the short end, is going to be a lot quicker this time. Well, look, these... These banks are flying. I mean, I saw just J.P. Morgan up two points uh, even before the number. People have decided that this is the way to play it, uh, and they decided that you you got to play it with Exxon, and uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, Fifth Third's a very good bank. I remember when I first heard it when I was at Goldman, and I called it Third Fifth, and the guy said, no, it's Fifth Third. I said, well, why would they put Fifth before Third? David, it's a quandary. It's a conundrum. <laughs> it's a very good bank. Uh, yes, as we take a look at the overall, the bigger banks as well. But fi- I did not see fifth, third shares up over 53%. It's been a good place to be. Been, Will that been. continue to be the case as we start to... Uh, how about key? I don't know if- you got a slight key? 
well, he's only up 23. The one that is the best, I think, is First Horizon because uh, Brian Jordan has done a great job, up 27%, 3.6% yield. And you get the best areas of the country. You get Tennessee, which is booming. Why? Because, Carl, their taxes are somewhat better than ours. You get to keep a considerable more of your paycheck. Now, we're still working. Uh, I don't think it's a paycheck. It's like, hmm. It's not a paycheck. It's soon if, if, they get, if politicians get with them, it'll be a stipend. That's what I call a it. Stipend. You'll, you'll be given a stipend. <laughs> yeah, you'll be all right. So you're, yeah. so you're a rich guy, and that's what you say? No, that's what people are going to say on Twitter. You know that? As soon as you say I that, know. you make I know. I mean, I was. Once you get I, past 52, 53, 54% of your income. I don't know. Well, I mean, is it better than taking 2% of what you own? And just make it right in a check for what you own. It's two cents, Jim. Two cents. Two cents. Yeah. Well, you're not. You're the only one at this table has got to worry. Do they take my suits? Do I have to pay two percent <laughs> on my suits? I mean, look at this. I mean, this is a really beautiful. I Zania value that suit. About I mean, I have to pay two percent. Is Elizabeth yes. Warren me right two yes. percent on this? Yes. Thing? She wants to take your lapel right off. Look at this. This is a rip your arm off. This is a Ferragamo. Do I have to give the government a dollar eighty? I'm gonna cut that in half. Oh, he is, he's a sharp-dressed man, guys. <laughs> uh, guys, we'll take a break. We're going to talk to Brian Dees of the National Economic Council about the very strong jobs number. Got some calls on Oracle, Boeing, Western Didge, movie theaters open today in New York City, and, of course, David on the uh, Spectacular in a moment. Well, last block, we were talking about SPACs, as we have now for many, many months, for good reason. They are a focus of this market, certainly a focus of the capital markets. And they have been uh, enormously uh, profitable for many of the investment banks, for many traders and investors out there. Uh, But much has changed over the last couple of weeks. Let's take a look and just sort of first, let's start, as we do every time this week, how many issues we had. Uh, SPAC analytics. I call them SPAC-alytics. Uh, there it is. 39. That's according to them. 39 SPAC IPOs raised $11 billion. I mean, if you were to go at this rate all year, you'd have 2,028 SPAC IPOs oh annually. But you're probably not going to. But again, the numbers are enormous and they keep coming. We got, by the way, 12 SPAC IPOs pricing last night. That's despite what has been this meltdown. Remember, of course, if you trade Below 10, you're still going to get your 10. I mean, there's a, there, it goes, the money's in trust, right? So the cash is in trust. And then if they don't do a deal or if they can't get a deal passed after two years, typically, although, again, the, 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 it varies deal to deal, but usually two years, you get your money back. Uh, at least you get your 10 bucks back. Um, but uh, as Jim was saying, Carl's uh, talking about, we, we've watched some of these names go below 10. We can t- take a look at our indexes that we put together, of course, uh, the post deal. I'm sorry, the pre-deal um, and the after-announced deal. But there's the CNBC SPAC 50. That puts it in some perspective for you. We got the other one as well. And then I want to get to just some of the names overall. There's when they've announced the deal but haven't de right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then we got the families. We got the five families the of five SPACs. Families. You got Chamath. You got Michael Klein at Churchill. You got Gores, Foley, and Betsy Cohen. I went with five families. There's some of the names. There's Chamath. Okay, so Virgin Galactic, been very strong. He sold what 250 million dollars worth of stock the other last night. Yeah. Uh, Open Door has been quite good. There's Clover, not, not good at all. Those have all despacked. Then you've got the other two, still well above 10 at least. To take a quick look, let's move on to Michael Klein and his uh, various spacs, um, the Churchill spacs. Right uh, there, they are not as good. Uh, Multi Plan has been disastrous. That of course is despacked. 
quite some time ago. There's CCIV hanging in there. Still quite a game. The Lucid deal uh, is the one they've announced. There's two that haven't been announced yet, but have been issued, both trading a bit above 10. Gores we can take a look at. And then Foley, we can, if we have them all, let's roll through them quickly uh, just to get a sense as to some of the big family, the families here, right? That gives, look at that. You've, wow, 885, 1015, and then Foley, Transamine. You get the point, guys. Other than a handful, and Transamine too, that was pay safe, I think, right? Yeah, that was pay safe, BFT. That's still, still been doing well. And then Betsy Cohen also. A um, lot of stuff trading, Jim, near 10. Yeah. And it will be interesting. Uh, some even falling below that. I've got a smart windows company, CFII, guys, nine bucks. And they want to get their deal done. You know, do you um, vote yes for the deal, but then redeem because you can get your 10 bucks, even though you voted in favor of the deal? There's going to be some interesting things going on here as we watch these things pass below the $10 in trust value uh, and see what they choose to do. Yeah. And I think that, David, one of the things that we have to point out is you take something like Lucid, uh, which is Churchill 4. Uh, yes. We Churchill can look four. at the price and we can say, wow, OK, you're OK. But how about the people who paid 50 because they yes. heard the rumor that it was going to be with Lucid? I mean, look, see, look at the money that was lost if you came in uh, thinking that this was going to be the big win. And that's where I think the the pain has really been clustered. Without a doubt, there was so much speculation in the name. We, you know, we talked about it, and man, it got nasty out there. Um, and when they announced the deal, it was when it was the time to sell, uh, because we learned there would be 1.6 billion shares outstanding, enormous deal, big pipe, great names. You can argue perhaps the car is going to be a great success. We've listened to Rawlinson talk about the efficiency of the battery, but it went from 60 to now 24. When we learned, and by the way, it's still got a market value that, well, where's Ford? I mean, we're still talking $37, $38 billion market value for this company. Well, then, David, how, why shouldn't there be 2000 I mean, what's keeping it so that there aren't 20 every day? That's the thing. The thing is, you, you, the money goes into trust, right? So right. conceivably, after a couple of years, you may get it back. Or, as I said, now they have also cash minimum levels. Again, it varies deal to deal, but you can actually vote in favor of a deal. But they'll still try to redeem. Then the pipe comes in to fill that in. You can get your 10 bucks back if it's trading below that. So there's an arbitrage there. There's a lot of different things. We're still learning. Uh, you know, this is still a relatively new. It's been around for a long time, but somewhat new product. All right, so you Clover Health, which has been the subject of a, yes. a brutal short report. Yes. Uh, you own that. Why not buy it at seven? Get a. Well, get now it's. I mean, now listen. I put it up there because it's it's Deesback. It's right, its own it's public company. I'm sorry, it's Deesback. Right, but it still I'm has sorry. some of the same shareholders. Right. So yeah, that's Deesback, uh, Jim. As yes, has once it's, as has Multiplanned. Right. That's just a company. Right. And it's, we got. We're going to have an awful lot of them, Carl. An awful lot of these companies out there that we may follow. That we you know we're excited about sometimes. I mean, EV and battery technology. Did you see the EV cars. index? The, the EV index that smart this windows. And I mean, they're not a lot of them doing that well. No. Isn't that funny? Yeah. There's 17 charging station companies. Is that all? Just 17? All right, let me say 23. Okay. Good. Wait a second. There's one called Tuscan Holdings. I mean, maybe that's like a, you think that's like Venice? No. Under the it's, Tuscan it's sun. Words. I'd like to be under that sun. It's under the Tuscan sun holdings. I'm making fun of that. I love Tuscan. Reddit bets. Tuscan, you're fabulous. I actually own a farm. Okay, in Tuscany. So I like Tuscany. It's true. It's and true. Churchill was, he, he really Churchill does. was amazing. David denigrated Churchill after he killed Lucid. I am for Churchill. 
I don't, I don't, I don't think we need to be this defensive. But okay, we, we got that. Uh, we've got, we've made our way through a Jaws reference and a Godfather reference. It's only 9:22. Brian Deese of the NEC on the jobs number in a moment. If you missed it this morning, the jobs number for February, 379,000, was above the 200,000 estimate. Uh, market likes it for now. The 10-year yield did get up to 163 for a new year-to-date high, but has settled back a bit to 159. We're going to talk to Brian Dees of the National Economic Council about the number after a short break in the opening bell. All right, we made it. It's Friday. Get started with an opening bell a little less than two minutes from now. Let's squeeze in a mad dash. Broadcom is the name. Yes. Now, every day, David, there is a semiconductor company that reports, and they're all blowing up. And people are hiding in this group and saying, you know what, because of 5G, it can't miss. Well, Broadcom, actually, and this is a hot can, you know, David, we interviewed on set, delivers a great number. Uh, there's a, you can nitpick, but it's got 5G. The bookings are fabulous. And I've got to tell you, if this one doesn't work, if Broadcom goes down, David, Heaven help the SMH. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, because it's got 5G doing well. It's got yes. some, they've got da- data center doing well. The guidance was terrific. The free cash flow is awesome. The yield is great. Hawk Tan delivered, David. And if he can't, if he can't stem the tide, well, I got to tell you, even Skyworks Solutions was downgraded last night. There's no, there's no mercy when they turn on this group on the semis. No mercy. Nowhere to hide at all. I mean, you've given us a this few is minutes. it because it's got a three percent yield. Right. And he's already booked virtually booked for 90 percent of the year for some of his. I mean, this was an amazing call. And if it goes down, I don't know what to say. Uh, I don't. I mean, it would take my breath away if it went down. So you better get, get me some oxygen. All right. I'll get on it. Carl, uh, we got an opening bell coming up. Back over to you. Yeah, guys, uh, let's get to that uh, opening bell final one of the week, obviously coming after four days of losses. And as Jim said earlier, uh, some remarkable price action in the latter half of yesterday's session, Jim. You know, if it's not if it's not rates that you're hand wringing about, it could be oil, which uh, Jim this morning is near 66 Uh, gasoline futures yesterday. uh, Highest since July of 19. I know you talked about the impact of uh, oil on retailers after Tanger came off of that intraday high? Yeah, well, look, there isn't the, everything involved in the food chain of anything commodity, whether it be copper, whether it be oil, whether it be lumber, whether it be anything coming from the ports, everything's inflated in price. And uh, the, I know Jay Powell may think it's transient. It's entirely possible because uh, Janet Yellen bet that the, the strength in the economy in 2015 would not be transient. It turned out it would be. And oil was what plummeted. But one of the things that's happened in this market, uh, Carl, is that whenever you have a stock that has been a rocket, and I'm not talking about Virgin Galactic, but let's say the cruise ships, the cruise ship CEOs are not done. Norwegian Cruise, Frank Del Rio, he's pricing... 40, how many did they finally end up doing? 29.85. Let's watch Norwegian Cruise because they sold more than 40 million shares. Why? Because they're not cruising yet. And so they need the capital. And this one already has a pretty good balance sheet, 47 million shares. I don't know, Carl. That's going to be the tail of the tape because if that deal fails uh, and people don't make money on it, we've got a new market because a lot of these have worked, including yeah. the Royal Caribbean. Ooh, yeah, now I you're under the Royal Caribbean. I saw that this morning, Jim. Ooh. Uh, yeah, no, that's 15 percent of the shares out uh, that that new offer 
uh, and Norwegians down about 8%. Um, Jim, we'll see how the market responds. You know, thinking of travel-related names that people are trying to hop on board the train, this Canaccord upgrade of Boeing today, uh, they go to buy 275. Uh, on the max outlook, they think they can work down their inventory of maxes uh, by late 22. I think they can. And we saw United come in with some extra. And they also like, they said that the wide body problem is stabilizing. Obviously, travel and leisure, it is a direct play. Uh, Boeing race uh, is borrowing more money. David, they could have easily done equity, but they're going to the bond market. And I think they're going to get a good rate. Yeah, why would they do that? What am I, the CFO? I, I, I sometimes you play a CFO on TV. Well, I've talked to the CFO many times about not issuing stock. Well, I guess they chose to take your advice and they didn't issue stock. I mean, yeah, they're a very well run company. We're going to an anniversary of the 26 billion, the famous 26 billion. Debt saved the market, David. Uh, in a, it was in a, a Sunday night deal. You were probably watching. Well, there's no sports. What do you mean? You I broke that deal. That was my story. You I was broke the first the one deal. to talk about 26 billion. You yeah. broke the deal. Yes. Thank uh, you. I stand corrected. Yes, you do. You how much I've broken this year. I haven't really? fixed anything. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. But remember, Boeing is uh, the this is my favorite line on the Boeing is, is that improved outlook for travel and airline recovery. And I think that's true. That's one of the reasons why my friend Stephanie Link ref, uh, pushed this morning Alphabet, Google. I've been seeing travel ads for the first time, Carl, because people do want to go somewhere. And if you're going to open up states, then you're going to go places. And I think that it's so easy to buy Alphabet here because I mean, Fang is so hated. And I think it's easy to buy Boeing because it's still down substantially. So I say two thumbs up. Yeah. As Gottlieb said this morning, guys, uh, 16% of the population now has one dose, 8% fully vaccinated. We mentioned earlier, Jim, uh, movie theaters in New York City are going to open today. Liam Neeson is going to be greeting moviegoers on the Upper West <laughs> oh Side for those who is. are willing to. Where's that going to be? He has a particular yeah. say? set of skills that's annoying for the it. bears. <laughs> She's been taken. <laughs> uh, but uh, keep your eye on IMAX, Jim, uh, even though it was a slightly wider than expected loss. Uh, shares doing OK. AMC not really reflecting much, but it's going to be an interesting fight. You know, David, at the, at the same time we're watching movie theaters, yep. WandaVision's uh, premiere last night on Disney Plus crashed the system again. Wow. Jeez. Uh, and by the way, you know, it, Jim talks about no place to hide. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Fox, Viacom, Discovery. To a lesser extent, Disney, at least recently, that's been a place to hide. No, it has been. Uh, I mean, Discovery is, I got to mention it again, because it's just, it's up 112% this year. David did an 112%. interview where, where John uh, Malone come up maybe, only 95% this year. John Malone is so smart, because I looked at Discovery, and it was at 27 when he said you have to buy it. Yeah, I mean, it's true. He is incredibly smart. Uh, he's a bull long term. He owns a lot of the company. And yes, he still thinks it's going to go higher from here. I don't know, man. No well, pullback there at all. I, I mean, don't know. We got Adam Aaron, I think, is on this afternoon, right? On Closing Bell, the CEO of AMC, who took advantage every single, you know, one of the things that has happened, whether it be Norwegian Cruise, whether it be AMC, some of the CEOs have decided, you know what, there's lots of enthusiasm, Carl, so why not issue stock? There is one that hasn't, but I'm not going to talk about it any game because I want to have a nice weekend. Oh, good. Yeah, don't talk about GameStop. (laughs) Um, uh, Real quick, Uh, Carl, uh, let me just finish up. CoreLogic, CoStar says, see you later. Very odd behavior to a certain extent. They cite interest rates in saying they're not, they abandon their bid for the company. Uh, Interest rates moving up. Now is not the time for us to aggressively buy into the residential mortgage market. Been following that, as, as people know, for some time. This, that stock is benefiting from it. CoreLogic is obviously lower. 
They, it's been a weird one. Uh, they had yeah. four chances. They were asked for their best and final during it. They never came with it. Then they decided to come once the deal was announced with the, other, with the 80 bucks a share. Anyway, you won't hear that name from me for some time, Carl. Back to you. Okay. Uh, let's get to the jobs number. Of course, uh, as we said earlier, 379,000 added last month. Unemployment down to 6-2. Uh, with us this morning, uh, first on CNBC, the White House uh, National Economic Council Director, Brian Dees. Brian, welcome back. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you guys. Um, I, I assume it's a number that you guys are definitely applauding today. And I'm, I'm guessing it could have been even better if the weather hadn't uh, brought construction down about 61 well, look, it's, uh, we're always happy to see positive jobs numbers, but what you also see in this report is that we've got a long way to go. We're still down 9.5 million jobs since uh, the pandemic began, and that's a, that's a bigger job hole than at any time during the Great Recession. And uh, we saw, while we saw some encouraging signs in, uh, in leisure and hospitality uh, in February, we also saw some real uh, concerning signs as well. You saw 70,000 state and local educators uh, uh, laid off in uh, in in February, so uh, we got a long way to go in this recovery, uh, and that's uh, that's part of the reason why we uh, are going to be focusing on trying to get the uh, rec- rescue plan passed through Congress this weekend. I was going to say, is that another way of, of bolstering support uh, for the package? I noticed Gary Cohn this morning said uh, the economy is showing recovery, uh, consumers are returning. The risk now, he says, is misdirected stimulus. Uh, you obviously disagree. Look, we look at a, a nine and a half million jobs down and at the pace that we've seen over the last couple of months, it would take years and years to get back just to the pre-pandemic level. And of course, that's uh, that's not the, where we want to get. We want to get back to a uh, trend growth. So uh, we have a long way to go here. And we also have to recognize that the une- unevenness of this crisis persists. Black unemployment is almost 10 percent. Uh, and again, we see that we made no progress on long-term unemployment uh, here. So uh, while we're, we're always encouraged to see positive uh, things moving in a positive direction, we have a long way to go. Uh, and we also know that the kind of fiscal policy action that we're looking at in the rescue plan would really help to accelerate things across the board, whether that's at the state and local level or helping families on their balance sheets. Well, uh, let's talk about across the board. And I do uh, point out that the black unemployment 9.9, that's just way too high. Hispanic 8.5. Uh, but you're sending, sending a package of $1,400 pretty much to everybody at a certain, uh, really at, at a certain income. It, wouldn't you rather see that go disproportionately to the people who are unemployed? Well, let's talk about what's in this plan. First of all, it extends and expands unemployment insurance for the millions of Americans. Uh, and as you say, the measured unemployment rate for blacks and Hispanics is what you cited. But most economists agree that actually, uh, if you look at the actual uh, unemployment rate, it's probably more like 8 to 9 percent nationwide. And those numbers for blacks and Hispanics are well into the double digits. So this plan would provide direct assistance to them. It would provide direct assistance to those who are hungry with food assistance. It would provide support to help avoid evictions for those people who are in uh, a lot of trouble uh, and, and facing the prospect of being kicked out of their homes. So it would do all of those things. And in addition to that, it would provide direct uh, payments to uh, families making up to uh, 150000 singles up to 75000 We think that's an appropriate thing to do, given the degree to which this uh, crisis has actually put working families at a disadvantage. We think that providing that support right now would help bolster and help provide a bridge to when we actually can see real durable signs of recovery. 
Well, Brent, the, some of the numbers that I see, I own a couple of restaurants, but it's looking at 150,000 restaurants have closed through no fault, obviously, of their own because of the pandemic. They hire a lot of people. But what incentive are you giving people to uh, reopen? And I'm not just talking PPP, but it, it's these are permanently closed unless you do something because the incentives just aren't there to reopen. Look, it's a devastating problem we have across the nation. 400,000 small businesses have closed permanently. Uh, many of them are facing uh, real, uh, real challenges. So what we want to do is we want to provide a bridge. And as you say, the PPP program really does provide a bridge. We're targeting those resources at the smallest firms, typically those with less than 20 employees that are disproportionately negatively hit. But we also want to start to provide some growth capital. So one of the things in this rescue plan is a small business opportunity fund would work with states to provide growth capital to companies so they can start to take advantage of parts of the economy where they're seeing that growth and actually build as well. So this is about both a bridge, but also how we start to help those smallest firms, um, many of whom are in the, the restaurant hospitality sector, as we start to come back. So that's part of the rescue plan, too. When you talk about a bridge to, a, to durable signs of recovery, give me what will be those signs of recovery and tell me when your expectations are that we'll actually start to see them. Well, uh, one, one thing I've learned in this job is you never want to never make uh, predictions about the uh, economy. Uh, inevitably, they'll be wrong. What I think we, we want to see is we want to see faster job growth, we want to see more reopening, and we want to see uh, reopening in ways that will actually help those families and those communities that have been the hardest hit. So we want to get schools reopened. We want to get support to people that need it the most, those who are unemployed, uh, those who are facing acute crises around hunger, around homelessness, uh, and do so in a way that we can actually start to get some durable momentum in the, in the economic recovery. So when we bring you on here and we're adding, what, six, seven, eight hundred thousand jobs in a month, is that going to be a sign? Look, we will always be rooting for more job growth for more Americans across the board. Uh, we think that if we pass this rescue plan right now, we could be poised for really strengthening this economy and getting to full employment significantly faster than, we'd, uh, than most forecasters estimate uh, without this plan. So that's our goal. Brian, really quick, while we have you, uh, we've we got to ask about um, uh, the semiconductor shortage both as, a, as an industry story and as a macro story, I wonder how you think it fits into the overall picture of scarcity, which is becoming a running theme in the economy as we move into the spring. Look, in the short term, uh, uh, myself and my counterparts in the national security team are spending a lot of time interacting with our uh, counterparts in the Taiwanese government and other governments trying to make sure that we do what we can to encourage uh, the supply uh, to help address some of the short-term shortages in the auto industry and other sectors. But this is not a problem that has a short-term uh, uh, solution. This is, this is part of a longer-term challenge about vulnerabilities we have in the American supply chain. And so what we're really focused on is looking at how we can actually build more domestic industrial resilience in the supply chain for semiconductors, but also other key uh, inputs that go into our, ma our manufacturing base so that we don't find ourselves in a crisis like this where we see changes in demand and changes in uh, supply patterns completely um, exposed. So you're going to hear a lot more from this White House about that going forward. We're going to focus on the short-term issues, but really the solution here is a longer-term strategy. And we're, uh, that's one where we've got broad bipartisan support. We want to work with Congress to provide the resources we need to actually build that strategy over the long term. 
Yeah, your, your point is exactly right. Uh, we've been through cycles, but a lot of people argue not one quite like this. Brian, uh, we always appreciate it on Jobs Friday. It's great to see you. Thanks. Have a good weekend. You too. Uh, Brian Deese, National Eco Economic Council Director. Jim, I, if we had more time with him, I would have asked about infrastructure, which is going to be a, a story that will heat up. And, and I trust, David, I don't know if you saw the report in the Times today that Tim Wu, pretty aggressive um, uh, uh, critic of antitrust uh, uh, structure in this country, is going to join as a special assistant to the White House. I did. I did see that. And he's been outspoken on a number of, uh, of issues. Worth always reading. He's got an interesting take on things. But yes, listen, that, that figures into it. We've yet to really test and see what antitrust policy in the Biden administration is truly going to look like. It may take a while to sort of get a sense for that, but it's something to keep in mind. And then with Mr. Deese, you heard that longer term plan, Jim, you know, you always wonder what will that involve uh, in terms of how they're going to go about supporting the semiconductor industry in this country. Not the short term concerns right. about supply constraints, but longer term in terms of more of the national defense. Perspective. Well, I was going to say it's, it has to do with defense. Yeah. It has to do with the fact that I'm not saying you can't trust Taiwan semiconductor, but the Chinese put tremendous pressure on these companies. It's not like they're uh, U.S. companies that happen to be in China or in Taiwan. I mean, these are Chinese companies that we have affiliated with. Remember, David, you know that a lot of times we don't own all 100 percent of the companies that are in China that do anything. Uh, pretty much most of the time. Yeah. Right, Carl, most of them are JVs. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Well, they've, they've made promises, but it's been a long time in, in filling them. Uh, so uh, interesting comments from Deese. Uh, we'll see how it moves the market. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning. Hey, Rick. Hi, Carl. Indeed. Listen, we'd like to see many hundreds of thousands of jobs coming back beyond the jobs we see. But it was a pretty good report. Considering what's going on, considering vaccines going into arms, considering you can't improve when you're closed, you can't read when you're asleep. Now that we're reopening, things will improve. And I think you're starting to see that show up in the numbers. Look at intraday of 10. Zoom, zoom, zooming. But if you zoom back on the chart to last Thursday, something interesting. You know, we all remember last Thursday we had all those spikes. So we spiked up to 161. If you look at today's, we took that out by just a basis point. That may be significant. Also tells me that we know where resistance is on yields. We know if you're looking for rates to go down where you're going to be wrong. If this market starts to trade much above 166, 167 yield intraday, but especially on a closing basis, that could fuel more momentum to the upside. And on 30s, well, on 30s, look at it one week of 30s going back to that Thursday, actually. And you'll see they fell short of taking out their intraday spikes. And once again, I think that plays into the whole technical formation that you know when you're off sides by the way these markets are stopping. So indeed, around 237 to 240 is the number you want to pay close attention to on 30s. Now, finally, if we look at both of them together, we're comping 13 months back to February on 10s, 14 months to January on 30s. 30s are like comp, and if they would have closed on their high yield right around 232-ish, 233, maybe a bit higher, uh, that, that comps to this first, second week in Jan January 9th. And, and the point of this is, is that as we start to see these yields rise to pre-COVID levels, there is going to be a magic sweet spot there where the Fed's going to have to make a decision whether they want to alter, taper, or add to their purchases. And I think that's what the market and investors are pushing to see what the reaction is, especially with the feedback loop on stocks. Finally, two-day dollar index. Man, it's up like a cent in two days. If you look at the chart going back to November, we're at three-plus month high in the dollar index. Boy, higher rates really gave it a boost. Carl, Jim, David, back to you, and have a good weekend. 
All right, you too, Rick. Uh, so the uh, early bounce here was Dow up 334. We've lost a little bit of that. Uh, yields pretty steady, although oil now is above 66. More Squawk on the Street in a moment. Twitter reportedly testing an undo send feature. Mashable is citing an app researcher and tipster who says the feature is said to work like this. Once you hit send on a tweet, a short timer begins and you will be allowed five to six seconds to hit undo. Uh, CEO Jack Dorsey had previously ruled out the idea of a strict edit button. Speaking of edits or undos, by the way, guys, we mentioned uh, Ryan Cohen's ice cream tweet from a few uh, days ago. The latest, of course, harks back, harkens back to the Pets.com era. Um, I guess, Jim, on the Twitter front, this would be easier than simply hitting delete and having to start the whole thing over again. Yeah. I mean, look, those of us who like Twitter and particularly I'm complimented quite off, often in Twitter, um, and then there's some backhanded compliments. Uh, you want sometimes you want to, uh, <laughs> let's say, get right at it, and you need this. And uh, Twitter needs to be kinder. Maybe this is going to help it be kinder. Their their ad, but they're doing well on ads. But this stock's been shelled. I mean, not as badly as some of the other stocks, including one I want to talk about when I do stop trading. But holy cow, these stocks are just toxic right now. And Square, which was bought very heavily by a particular fund that a lot of people are short. Uh, did that deal yesterday uh, that a lot of people are still trying, still scratching their heads. The title deal? The title deal. Yeah. Uh, and you were referring to ARC, of course, right, being a, a buyer there. You and keep picking being, on them. Go ahead. I'm not picking on them at all. She's had the best performance of any money manager, period, over the I last know, five years. I know, but they're shooting against that fund. They are. Well, it's also, we were talking, it can be used as a hedge. You short that right. as a hedge on your, you know, a lot of other things. Well, they, look, you get interest um, rates down, and you're going to get crushed on that hitch. ARC, we're talking about yeah, here, ARC, by the way, not well, If you get interest rates down, Carl, yeah. ARC is the one you want to own because it's all the stocks that have great stories in the out years. But as long as interest rates remain uh, looking like they're going to go higher, you don't want story stocks. You want, I don't know, you want Parker Hannafin, mm. Ingersoll Rand. Mm. You want industrials. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that. That move to cyclicals, uh, epicenter stocks, as Tom yes. Lee calls them. Well, I like that. It's pretty interesting. Tesla's um, not in the epicenter. Uh, speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of which, NASDAQ has gone a bit red here, down eight points. We're back in a moment. Take a look at the Dow's, uh, or the S&P, rather. Week-to-date gainers, it's all about energy and media. Diamondback leads the group with 22% for the week. Uh, David mentioned some of the, uh, the media names like Fox and Discovery, but Occidental and Marathon in there as well. More Squawk on the Street continues in a moment. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. You're seeing a lot of, of states open, uh, Connecticut most recently. And when you hear open, what that says is you're probably less likely to order through DoorDash. Now, DoorDash will say, listen, it's now ingrained, but that's not the way the market's going to view it because people want restaurateurs want people to come to the bar and come to the restaurant. And the last thing they want to do is uh, send it out and make very little money. So DoorDash remains a stock you don't want to own right now as we open. Look yeah. at that. Yeah, I saw you. Uh, yeah, I saw you mention uh, Wendy's as one example of what to look to. Yes. Uh, Jim, as Wendy's going to open. open I, mean, I happen to like the inside of a Wendy's. You're going to go to inside Chipotle. You're going to go to inside. But Chipotle is very highly valued. But be careful, DoorDash, because uh, they take such a huge chunk that you want to discourage people from doing it. You'll offer a discount to come to your restaurant. That's what's going to happen. You might even use Twilio to push the right. discount. So there we go, Carl. Huh. 
Jim, what's tonight? I got Nutanix. I've got Trex. That's that stuff that is uh, I like because it's recycled. And then Okta bought a company called Auto, and we're going to have both of them on. This is cybersecurity, and nothing's more important than cybersecurity, given the fact that since solar wind, we realize that it's a national effort to destabilize our country. But we just don't regard it as that. Asymmetric warfare. We're fools. They're coming after us, Carl, and we're saying, like, uh, hey, you know, okay. Right, right. We'll see how long that lasts, Jim. Yes, uh, great week. Stop. We'll see you tonight. Yeah. Uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 